I said it is probably true. I generally don't rap no bullshit. See, I know. Just listen every time. Dark days and cold nights. The courtroom stand a man raises hand of Christ. Swear to tell the truth. Then he spit more lies than these rappers in the booth. Yes, yes, peace and black power. This is Trom Diggs, a.k.a. David Shanks, and this is a Guest in the House podcast. I'm here with my fellow co-host. Mickey Hess, good to see you guys again. Or You hear me and I don't see or hear you, I guess, is the way to put it. Right. right glad right. to be back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Another one. Another one. Yeah, and I thought we could kick this one off today. Um... Ideas of how to put theory into practice and how to uh, inform your practice with theory as far as, you know, what what should people do when some shit goes down? Yeah, allyship. Allyship. Yeah, and on a previous episode, I mentioned a tweet I saw. Um, somebody had asked uh, a black professor. Yeah what he thought a white ally should do or be. And he said, John Brown. Right. And they said, no, I mean like in 2020, said, John Brown <laughs> said, no, I mean like yeah. within the university, John Brown. Right. Um, we're not all John Browns, unfortunately. Right. And, and it probably has, has some benefits as well that we're not all John Browns. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I myself, I I think I have personally done the most good in the classroom mm. and in my writing that I put yeah. out there in books and articles Yeah, and on this podcast. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there's definitely something to educating people. I, I, there's, a, there's, there's a big something to educating people. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Um. And I think what, as a as an ally, what you don't want to do is confuse those questions of, you know, how how can I best do some good mm. with how can I convince people I'm a good person? Two totally different things. One is completely attached to ego. Yeah. <laughs> the, other <one> is, <laughs> the other one is not. <laughs> and it can be tough to set that ego aside, right? Very, so that yeah. allies kind of foreground themselves yes. to an extent that doesn't really doesn't really help anyone that yes. much. And that goes back to our conversation on a previous episode we had a about um you're an ally until your ego is challenged, your belief is challenged. So mm-hmm. it's like I'm an ally about all this other stuff, but now uh, the monuments yeah, you're going too far. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> this thing, you're going too far now. So now I'm challenged. And once I become challenged now, I'm no longer an ally. I don't see eye to eye with you anymore. Um, I think you're whatever. It, and then all that stuff comes out. Exactly. And there's that distinction, too, between ally and accomplice. Mm. And I believe, if I'm correct, that that comes from discussions within the LGBTQ community. Okay. Um, I first heard that distinction from Dr. Kyla Story, who's a professor at the University of Louisville. Okay. Um, she she got her doctorate from Temple, 
Now nice. she teaches at the University of Louisville. I got my doctorate from the University of Louisville, and now I teach up here in South Philly or, or Central Central New Jersey, like not too far from Philly, where she correct, is correct. Um, so we've had some good conversations back and forth. I appeared on her podcast. Um, I shared a stage with her at the University of Louisville last year. We talked nice. through some of these issues. Nice, but that smart, was where I, I first heard stuff. that distinction. Smart people stuff. Yeah. yeah. So ally versus accomplice. I mean, mm-hmm. accomplice means that you're you're in the middle of the action, right? You're not just theoretical. Like I'm on your side as an ally, yeah. Yeah. but accomplice, you're actually yeah. on the ground doing some work. And you see, I saw that. I thought I thought you were going in the opposite direction, saying um, some of our allies are actually accomplices for the thing that they're supposed to be our allies against. Mm, okay, they're back If you're riding in the back seat where mm. I'm from, you're an accomplice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a lot of riding in the backseat of white supremacy. Ooh, it could go both ways, right? I mean, accomplice Mm -hmm. does seem to have kind of that that criminal connotation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that happens too. We'll have to come up with a different term for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. People who are allies by name, but accomplices in the larger problem. Correct. Backseat of white supremacy, as you said. Yeah. Yep. 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 If I still, if I still, um, if the local, if the local racist in my neighborhood, uh, outside of that person being in your family, mm-hmm. you know, is just a guy that hey, I go have dinner and drink a beer with him once a week. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. He's a staunch racist. I don't get into that with him much because I don't want to. I don't. I don't bother. You know, I'm not going to change his mind. I don't bother. He's still my friend. Mm-hmm. The normalcy, you know, that's the kind, that's what I've been, I've been harboring on that probably for the last three or four episodes. The normalcy of, of that type of behavior and that it's, and that it's like, huh, mm-hmm. okay. You know, puts you in a position of being ally and accomplice. Absolutely. On the opposite end. Yeah, it's true. And you know, that, that's the kind of everyday practice that, people can succeed or fail in, you Mm -hmm. know, when we talk Mm -hmm. about practice or action or actually putting in some work Mm -hmm. as opposed to just being like an ally in your thoughts or in your comments. And I mean, look, I got, I have friends because we're not being ridiculous here. I have Mm -hmm. friends who believe all kinds of madness and they're Mm -hmm. still my, and they're still my friends. Right. I mean, I mean, within reason, right. (laughs) But so you're not going to lose your lifelong friend because he's a racist. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. That's not for me to put pressure on you to say he can't be your friend. But if you don't mm-hmm. say it, if you don't even, you know, here's a book. You're wrong, bro. Statistically, mm-hmm. th- theoretically, you're wrong. And here's evidence of that. Are we, you know, is that, is that too much to ask? No. Our producer said <laughs> no. our producer said advocate. I like on on the on the good side, I like advocate more than accomplice. I'd mm-hmm. rather place accomplice on the other side. Like I said, back in the back seat of the drive by. You know what I mean? Um <laughs> I, I like I like advocate. I like advocate. ally partner. I mm-hmm. you know those words like like hey You've got to now become one of us, you know. Like we, 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 we make sometimes we make um, references to my um, platform, the people versus anti people, and that's what I wanted mm-hmm. to create. I wanted to create. Well, 
you can be not black. Well, I'm not black. So, you know, I feel what you guys are going through, but I'm not black. But now if it becomes a people problem, if it becomes mm-hmm. like, well, if you're a person, then you should be on this this side. Yeah, so you frame it in terms of humanity. Humanity. Yeah. Humanity. I didn't, you know, man, and I in the in that, I still recognize that it's mm-hmm. it's our fight. It, I think it's everyone's fight, but it's my fight until yeah. until you know, until that day comes. It's my fight. So you know, people say, "Well, who's who are the people?" But the people, whoever wants to be the people, is the people. Mm-hmm. But it's I take that fight on personally, mm-hmm. and I don't expect any help. But if I'm going to get help, then help. Mm-hmm. Don't be here to make yourself feel better, which is what you just said. Don't don't be here to make yourself feel better. Don't give us money to make yourself feel better or for your corporate interests, for sure. a good for a good look. We'll take your money, but <laughs> <laughs> don't stroke your own ego, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, I mean it's and like the everyday conundrum you presented, like should I say something? You know, this is my friend, this is my uncle. You know, and and I've written about situations where I've been in a room with a doctor mm. as a white person. They've said something like, you know, patently racist. Mm. And the the premise, I guess, is well, it's just two white guys in a room. Too- That's how we all think, right? The same the same way the same way it happens. It it, it has happened to me. Let's say in an airport post nine mm. eleven, when it's like you know us Americans, and it's mm. like. We're going to say something about that guy who may or may not be even from the Middle East. You know yeah. what I mean? We, we've got, we've got um, like Sikh Indians being, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it's like, I, all you guys are the same to me. So I got a problem mm-hmm. with you. It's like, well, no, that head wrap's not that head wrap. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Know, know who you're upset with. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So- when do you speak up and to what extent do you speak up? I mean, you said you said you're not gonna ask somebody to write off their best friend. I wouldn't I wouldn't care. I I've I like I like we talk about entry points and marching orders. I got my own marching orders. Yeah. And I'm trying to do what I need to do based on what I recognize as being the problems, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to um go after solutions. Who's going after solutions with me? Is who I'm rolling with. Yeah. Anybody else? I don't got time for you. So I'm. So when I say I don't, I don't expect you to denounce your friend. It's because I don't expect you to denounce your friends. I'm not relying on you for my freedom. Mm-hmm. But since yeah. we're having this discourse, if you want to know what you can do, because people say, "What can I do?" Well, we've got to stop allowing these people to feel how they feel and operate in normalcy. They can feel how they feel, but they've got to know if I'm, when I'm at this dinner table, don't say nine people, there are nine people at this dinner table who do not think the way I think. And if I say some silly Mm -hmm. stuff or some crazy stuff or some whatever stuff, they're not going to be happy. So do I want to be at that table the same way I would feel about going in to going to a dinner or going into a restaurant where I felt racial tension, like, uh, I'm cool. I don't need to eat here. I know the vibes. It's the same way people with these views need to feel when they're around their fellow people, their fellow white people. They need to feel like, 
I know I need to check that bullshit I be on at the door when I come into this place because these people, they ain't having it. There you go. There you go. And I think um, sometimes it can feel easier, more comfortable even, especially somebody you don't know quite as well as, say, a best friend or a family member. Say it's a coworker, you know, somebody you know in passing, an acquaintance. Correct. Correct. Sometimes it's easier if they tell you a racist joke, make a racist comment. You think like, man, fuck that guy. I'm going to go home. I'm going to unfollow him on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck that guy. I'm not talking to him anymore. Right. And then the guy's standing there wondering like, well, what the fuck did I say, man? You know, we used to, we used to chat. Yeah. We used to hang out a little. But yeah. really, I mean, the simplest comment sometimes can go a long way. And I know in high school, I told a racist joke. Um, I was kind of riffing on something I'd seen on In Living Color. <laughs> There you go again. Your mother it, told you she was uh, not buying you a homie the clown t-shirt. If I had only listened. And I mean, I, it was hilarious to me when I saw it on TV and I thought it was going to be funny when I said it. Mm. Um, and, you know, another white student, I was, I was telling the joke to like a, a circle of four white students, including myself. And another white student just said, that's not funny. Mm. And that, was all he said, and it, it stuck in my head. You know, I thought, "Shit, it's not funny." An immediate, <laughs> you know? an immediate impact. Yeah, it's yeah, three words. That's not funny. He didn't have to explain why. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was all right there. It should have been obvious. It just mm-hmm. took him saying that. I think in a lot of a lot of situations, a lot of white folks would just kind of, you know, maybe smile halfway politely and yeah. find a uh, way to exit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And they say, oh, okay. And yeah. they, they keep it pushing. Yo, that's not cool, man. Yeah. That's simple as I don't, that. I don't, I mean, and look, every day, who wants to get into that argument every day? I get yeah. it. Yeah, I get it. You're at, you know what I mean? You're in the break room at your job. Guy comes in and says something slick, you know, something like, oh, why are these idiots not playing? Or something mm. like that. And you want to be like, come on, man. But yeah. you just say, hey, look, man, you got to be, you got to be sensitive to other people's Mm-hmm. Like, as simple as that hey i hear you man but look you know this is we, we in some crazy times man we got to be oh, sensitive yeah. to how other people are, are responding yeah and somebody you know better you know i've certainly texted people like you know a quick little article um you know one friend i sent something that huey newton had written about the use of the old homophobic F word among the Black Panthers. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, And just, uh, you know, shot my friend a text. Not somebody I know incredibly well, but you know well enough. Right. And it's just like, hey, you know, I mentioned this earlier. Here's the the little two-page article. You might check it out. I might take a look at it. I thought it was interesting. Right. Um, And it's really... it. It's simpler than it feels. You know, it feels like, oh, man... This guy's going to hate me. He's never yeah. going to want to hang out again. Yeah. And you know, worst yeah. comes to worst, if that's really how he feels, you probably weren't great friends to begin with. Right? Very true. Very true. Very true. I mean, the fight is against the uh, the ignorance. Mm. And the ignorance from a standpoint of like innocent ignorance, like I honestly did not know. Yeah. And then just the staunch, hard line ignorance of like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. Sure. If it, all I want to do is believe what I want to believe. And that's the fight. The fight is against that type of ignorance. We want to, or both types of ignorance, but 
from different angles. So we, you know, we want to educate those who otherwise would not know. Mm. And we want to challenge those who are firm in their ignorance Mm -hmm. with facts. Yeah. With facts, because some of the ignorance can easily be refuted with facts. And sometimes the emotional reaction to the ignorance gets us into a space where we never really get to just simply state facts and leave them there. Mm. And if that person, and, you know, in many occasions they do maintain in their ignorance, there's nothing you can do about that. The facts are, I've given you the information and maybe it may take them five years to come back to that information and go, oh man, Uh Mickey sent me this article. Yeah. I didn't even realize it makes sense now. I get it now. You never know. Yeah. You never know. What are, I mean, and so just to give some, some bullets, Mm -hmm. if we can, um, when we talk about allyship, So does it start there? Like, is it, is it, is the new first step? See something, say something on, on the spot, whatever you have to say, not saying punch anybody in the face, not saying anything, whatever you, whatever your comfort level or of entry is to correcting that behavior or those, Hmm. or those thoughts creating a culture where is that's not acceptable anymore. What's the first step with that? See, that's that's the trick, because I would love it if some theory came before the practice. You know, I would love it if the first step were more about listening and reading and educating yourself mm. before you really took it upon yourself to say, okay, you know, I don't like what you said and here's why. Mm. Um, I think you would be more effective with a little more education and knowledge behind you. But at the same time, you know, if you see something, say something, there's certainly a benefit to that, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, we're all not going to, we're all not going to be able to educate ourselves in a manner that makes us feel comfortable getting into a debate with something. You know, there's some of these, sure. some of these hard right wing mm-hmm. guys are just more versed in the topic than say I would be. And I could get into a discourse with them and a debate with them where they can pull out statistics and figures and numbers and this and the that and the that and the that. And they can make a strong case where if you were watching this on TV, you would be like, I don't know. I tend to think this guy might be right. I don't think David knows what the hell he's talking about. But there are just certain things that I know yeah. to be true and fact. And those are the things I stand on. So I don't need, I don't need to to become an expert in everything. You know what I mean? Like I said, if it's just, you know, if you're on that zoom call and the coworker says something weird, you don't need to, you don't need to know what happened in 1898 or 1619 or, or, or or 1555 or, or, you know what I mean? You, You don't need to ring off an entire almanac of historic facts. You can just say, Yo, man, we, that ain't cool. We don't tolerate that over here. We don't, that's not, we don't talk like that. So it doesn't have to become an intellectual debate at that point. No, 
No, yeah. it's just got to be, it's got to be a change of culture. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm on the same page with you here. I guess maybe it's not so much a question of which comes first, right? Because depending on which situation you're in, one or the what other What you're talking about first, is right? active. That is an active process. The, yeah. act, the action of learning and understanding mm -hmm. is ongoing. So yes, start that yeah. today. Start right now and continue that. But absent of some of us will never feel comfortable enough to speak up if it's reliant on our knowledge. See, that's a good point. And I'm definitely thinking from a university professor's perspective. Yeah. Which can backfire. You know, I've definitely had my students say, you know, we learned about this throughout this first half of the semester. And then I went home for Thanksgiving and my dad said it was like I'd been brainwashed. Wow. So education can equal brainwashing apparently. And you know, you look at in, all in the circles. discussion against the liberal elites and it's all about, Oh, you know, you just went to the university and those socialist professors brainwashed you. Listen, when I came home and started, you know, kicking some of that, um, well, you know, Christianity mom, you know, mm -hmm. yep, they, you went to college and then people turned you stupid. <laughs> so that's a better way to you, put it yeah. I, I like that <laughs> turns you stupid that's got a good yep. ring to it <laughs> i like that yeah i mean it's both have to go hand in hand honestly yeah. i mean if you're just yeah. out there calling people out and you no. never take the time to really listen to I, black it's voices gonna, it's not gonna it's go not very gonna. far because you're gonna get challenged by that guy who yeah reads his reads his paper and listens sure. to Glenn Beck every single day and he's going to have his entire arsenal of points. Yeah. And if you're not prepared, <laughs> that's true. He, he, he may, you may leave you may leave, you may leave change in your mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or a spectator says, "Damn, yeah. you know, he got yeah. shut down." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but there's certain things that we know yeah are not are not cool. And there's certain actions that aren't cool. And the dismission mm. of someone's feelings, of someone's uh, reaction to what they feel was an assault on them. That's really, that's really where the problem lies, right? The lack of, the lack, we talked about empathy, the lack of, hey, I didn't see it that way, but wow, okay, you gave me something to think about. Yeah. How about that? How about, yeah. you know what I mean? There are people crying out, crying out. And there are people saying, I don't see it that way. And I think you're wrong. Yeah, I, as I, a I, agree, quote, right? I, agree, to, I agree to disagree. Mm. My ignorance is as good as your facts. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and the idea of seeing it that way, you're talking about perspective, right? Where somebody comes from, where what somebody has seen in their life has shaped the way they view the world. Yeah. Of yeah. course you don't see it like that, right? You've yeah. never been in any position like this. Yeah. And if, if I, you're me, best you can do is listen and read. Yep. But if we're all here... <laughs> If this land is my land and this land is your land from California to the New York Island, right? Like, yeah. then if I'm your brother, some, me and my brother 
we're four years apart. Um, so we, you know, different high school classes. He was going into college and I was going to going into high school. So we have that type of a generational gap. You know what I mean? Like, um, he sees things different than I see things on a lot of stuff. Sure. But he's my brother. So I'm always listening. Uh-huh. Yo, man, was I insensitive there? <laughs> man, um, could I have said that a better way? Man, um, I wouldn't have done that, Jill, but mm. I see I see why you did it. <laughs> I get it. Wouldn't be what I would do, you know, and vice versa. Um, so if I'm your brother and I'm saying black lives matter, if we're brothers, <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable. Why does that make you uncomfortable? Because I feel like all lives matter. Okay, well, the reason why we're saying Black Lives Matter is because Black people don't seem to matter in this country. Historic evidence shows that. And we're starting a rallying cry that says we matter. And it's important that you, as a friend, join with us it's even more important that you say black lives matter mm-hmm. and that you reinforce that black lives matter oh man um i didn't realize that's what it was about yeah. okay i, I yeah. see where you, i see where you're coming from wouldn't the world be you know wouldn't the world <laughs> be so much of a better place but the problem is you don't necessarily see us as your brother or sister mm-hmm. so there's no reason to listen. There's no reason to say, man, I see what's happening to them and this is how they're you know, processing it. I got to at least listen to how they're processing it. I'm watching it happen to them on TV. But if I'm like, ah, but what was the guy doing? Mm-hmm. What did he have I don't in his get car? It. Why can't they just sit in the car and obey the officer? Mm. Why do they have to talk back? Why did they get an attitude? What yeah, was Yusef Hawkins doing in Bensonhurst? You know what I mean? Like, why yeah. was he here? We didn't. Yeah, I just watched that documentary the other night. I need too. to watch that. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Yeah, mm. <laughs> really heavy, man. Really. And heavy. were you aware of the Patty Duke stuff before that came out? Nope, I was not either. Nope. nope. I think a lot of people who work there were if I well well I don't know. <laughs> you know if I knew about mm. that, you would have known about that. <laughs> true, true. Cuz I would have said something. But isn't that crazy? You know, tell our listeners what we're talking about. So, Yusef Hawkins um was attacked Yusuf Hawkins was a teenager from I can I can give you that part. I okay. just meant the Patty Duke Hot 97. Okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah, you know, Yusuf Hawkins was um shot mm. in um uh, a predominantly Italian section of Brooklyn named Bensonhurst in the summer of 1989. It um had something to do with um three teenage boys from East New York, which is a um black and Hispanic predominant section of Brooklyn on pretty much on the other side of Brooklyn to where Bensonhurst is. These three, um, I think it was three or four gentlemen that night went to Bensonhurst by their account to look at a 
vehicle that was for sale that they found in a newspaper, one of the friends found in a newspaper. They go out simultaneously in Bensonhurst, apparently. There's a thing going on with um, a, a group of guys, and one of the guys is dating a girl named Gina, and Gina may or may not be bringing Blacks and Puerto Ricans into the neighborhood to cause trouble. So... Um, this one guy rallies up all his friends. They meet in in the yard that they all hang out at. They get bats and they go heading towards Gina's apartment. Same time, these kids from East New York are coming out of the of the store. They just got off the train. They stop in the store to get something. They're on their way looking for this person to look at this car. They 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 confront. They encounter the gang. Bats come out, and all of a sudden. Yusuf Hawkins is shot and killed. Uh-huh. Um, that sparks off, obviously, a storm of protests. Um, this was during the um, last year of um, Mayor Ed Koch's term as the mayor of New York City, and it ushered in um, the David Dinkins um, mayorship, who was the first black uh, mayor of New York City. So all of that was happening, and then... Um, Al Sharpton obviously was on the front lines of the protests. I think there were 10 marches done in Bensonhurst over that year period. Um, they ended up convicting a um, shooter, the person who pulled the uh, trigger supposedly or allegedly, or he was convicted of it. <laughs> and he's, um, I think he he's doing 30 to life. Uh-huh. Um, he was really the only one severely, the ringleader guy was um, charged on lesser um, charges convicted of lesser charges. He did not get the, uh, he was not charged or convicted on the accomplished to murder thing. Now remember that the central park five was maybe just a year before that. Mm-hmm. So this was all happening in that same period of time. But one of the, um, individuals who was part of that quote unquote gang, I'm going to say gang. Cause if it was us, they would call it a gang. Maybe right. That's fair. <laughs> so, one of the guys in the gang, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but he ended up, you know, obviously growing up. Uh, he gets a job at Hot 97, which is the um, major hip hop and um, R&B radio station, black music radio station in the uh, in New York City. And he rises up the ranks and he, by the time this documentary surfaces, he's, you know, uh, uh, you know, I think he's one of the supervisors up there. Mm-hmm. And he's still there, right? He's st- well, he's, well. Been dis- he's been relieved. <laughs> he's been relieved as of about this week, but yeah, he's still, still there. And, um, the, 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 yeah, no one knew supposedly. Pasquale Rauchi? Yeah, P- P- Pasquale Rauchi or Rauchi or Rauchi. Yeah. Yeah, sorry Italian Americans. Anthony, you want to you want to you want to <laughs> jump in and tell us how to pronounce that name? <laughs> the phonetics. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anthony says no comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Leave it at yeah. that. So, um, yeah, I mean, up the the irony. Two decades. <laughs> right? Well, this would be 30 years. 30 years damn yeah 30 that's years true. that's true it is now nah, he was at he was at hot 97 probably for about two decades yeah because mm-hmm. he was a teenager when it occurred so um yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right in right in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Speaking to the normalcy. Mm-hmm. I believe we've spoken about Mark Wahlberg on the yeah. podcast at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um similar, um, except there was multiple incidents that <laughs> were classified as hate crimes. Yeah. And wow. he even petitioned the Massachusetts governor a couple years ago to to have him wiped off his record because mm. he felt like he'd he was another person today. He's a changed man. Mm. Wipe my um, slate clean. And you know, my students are sometimes surprised to learn that Mark Wahlberg initially emerged as a rapper. As a rapper. Marky Marky Mark Martin, and the Funky, Funky Bunch. Bunch. Yep. Rapper slash what underwear model, Calvin Klein? Rapper slash Calvin Klein underwear model. Yeah. Good vibrations. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and and wild side. Mm. I use the same sample from uh, Can I Kick It for the, the Lou Reed song. Mm, mm. Ironic. Again. Ironic, right? <laughs> so, I mean. Ironic again. Yeah, when you see folks who have hate crimes in their past. Mm. And they succeed in black entertainment forms mm. in the world of black entertainment, mm. often behind the scenes. I mean, Wahlberg today is more of a producer than anything, I believe. I mean, he's still certainly an actor, but uh, he no, sort of parlayed yeah, his a, rap a, career into everything else. Yeah. Restaurants, yeah, yeah, you know, pretty yeah. much everything you can do. He's got Wahlbergers going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, There's one in Philly there. There is, yeah, right yeah. there in Northern Liberties, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's disheartening when you see a kid, a black kid, put behind bars for stealing mm-hmm. a backpack, mm-hmm. like Khalif Browder. Yeah. Um, when you see a black kid put behind and, and, bars and, and, for marijuana. Yeah, and then what happens to them in in captivity? You know, the yeah. abuse, the abuse. It's not enough that they're, you know, locked in a cage. Uh-huh. But, you know, they they terrorize that kid. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really shows you the the different paths for, for black youths and white youths in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, when you take the emotion out of it, Mickey, you know, and I'm – and you know that's that's the struggle of being someone like me i guess when you take the emotion out of it and you just talk about these scenarios i i give you these scenarios and i say does that sound like these people are considered to be citizens in this country does it sound does this behavior <laughs> sound like that of someone who would be considered an equal citizen in this country, or does this sound like something else? Sounds like something else to me. And so if it sounds like something else to you, um, what are we doing? Like, what are we, what are we pretending is going on here? Yeah. I mean, and I the- speak and I can speak and I can speak, sure. I can speak to, to black people. We don't like, we don't, you know, and every make it, you know, to bring it back to a cultural, into an artistic space. So we could talk a little bit about hip hop. Uh 
We don't have time for WAP right now. We don't have time for that. There's no room for that. I mean, it's the number one song in the country, so there's room for it, clearly. But there's no... That may even be worse than playing basketball because at least... Because that has constant replay value. Mm-hmm. Why is that the music we're making? But did we have time for Lollipop? <laughs> Lo- lollipop was a better time. <laughs> it wasn't too that, long see, after Sean Bell's murder, was it? That's, that, that, that as... There's no reason why we should be able to claim ignorance, but there are those who would claim ignorance during that time, right? Because we were we were we were riding high in our minds, in our minds. Um there's never really any time for it in the absence of anything else. Uh-huh. Right? There's always time for it when there's balance. And the reason I, I asked was, you know, to sort of remove gender from the equation because I do think okay, women okay, in hip hop okay. take a lot more you're, heat. You're right. For sex, I'm, just, I'm, just, right? I'm just talking about the number one song in the country. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I was not saying anything gotcha, gotcha. about them being females. You're, but you're a hundred. You're a hundred percent right. You know what I mean. And so, contrasting that with, uh, you know, I don't know, push it. Mm. You know what I mean. In in eighty seven or whenever that came out, right and. Mm-hmm. That was '88, right? Should been salt with a deadly, so. salt with a deadly, so. salt with a deadly pepper. '86, um, it says. It says '86. I, I was up, right. Yeah. That was the first album. Salt with a deadly pepper was '88, but mm. the first push it's on the first um, album, so that was '86. Hot, cool, and vicious. Yeah. Hot, cool, and vicious. Uh, being one of my favorite album covers. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we can we can we can list a slew of releases in that time. Sure. That were more whatever explicit because Pusha wasn't even really explicit. It was cleverly done. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but also very political. Sure. We had, and we had, we had it all and you know, we're, we're, you know, we have it all now, but I just wonder why there's still time for it. Like why? Like where's the room for that in the midst of what's happening here? And is there room for that in the midst of what we're what's happening here? Should our focuses all be because Cardi B understands voting apparently, and she gets to talk to Joe Biden, and maybe in some way she—I don't know what all of that's about. I got my theories, but you understand. <laughs> I, I, but she's a millionaire. But when my, like, you know, my son doesn't listen to that, but <laughs> there's a whole bunch of sons and daughters who do. And when we talk about ignorance and we're talking about who's being raised by this music and they have nothing to do. I mean, they're now getting back to, to virtual school, some of them in the classrooms, but I mean, the world has just stopped. So you can listen to that 50 times a day. There's nowhere to go. And is that, is that where we want? And I, I don't want to knock anybody from getting their money. I know this is commerce. I guess the more the fact, <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm talking to people and I'm telling people, you have to look at what's going on right now. And you have to look at Atlantic records. Can't post a black screen 
and say they're they're joining the fight on the or whatever stupid statement these record labels all came out with and then continue to be the gatekeepers for culture that promotes every pathology that plagues our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't expect I can't expect an artist not to get a buck, but it, you know, I, look, if you know better, do better. So that's where I am, man. See, on the economic side, I absolutely see what you're saying. I, I absolutely agree with you. I have read a contrasting take. Um, I believe her name is. It's either Pasha or Patia Braithwaite. It's P-A-T-I-A. She wrote an article called Black Joy Isn't Frivolous, It's Necessary. Mm-hmm. This article came out back in May when shit wasn't quite as awful as it is now, but it was pretty damn awful. Right. Um, things have just piled on. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think no matter how... No matter how shit, how bad shit gets for white America, there is always room for like silly, fun, nonsensical party anthems from white groups. Right. Do you think we can extend that same opportunity to black artists to just, you know, show black folks enjoying themselves, having fun, despite the problems? Or or is there no time for it? Is there no place for it? <sighs> Somebody was beating your ass, Mickey. Would you stop and dance? That's a good point. That's a good point. That's all. And, I, 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 you know, that's no knock to anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some of us see what's happening differently than others. And I, I get that. You know what I'm saying? I, we're, I, I feel like we're under attack. Mm-hmm. And if I, when I'm under attack, I may, I may sing something to inspire myself. But I, I'm not dancing a jig. And you're not playing basketball, you said. And I'm on, not on playing other basketball. Recently. Yep. 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 So you would say a different not, kind of shutdown. Not shutdown for the, cor- not for the corporate. Energy. Not for the corporate machine. I might go out and play basketball in the park. But okay. <laughs> yeah. So a shutdown yeah. on black entertainment, or specifically black entertainment for the white consumer. Would you think anything was really, really wrong if you could if you could still turn on a radio and your favorite um, artist was um, rapping about um, drinking lean and (laughs) popping pills? And would you be like, wow, the black community must really be suffering? Yeah. Hmm. Can't be that can't be that bad. They still singing about partying. And you're not talking about the old respectability politics argument. You're talking about just what's urgent and necessary. I'm talking about if you was getting your ass beat, you wouldn't dance. Yeah. White people have room to do that because white people ain't been getting their ass beat. Uh And we've been, but we've been dancing the entire time. We were forced to dance. And we were forced to play sports too. We were forced to fight. <laughs> That's true. For the amusement. 
of slave owners and plantation owners. Mm-hmm. We would gather for their amusement, entertain us. We're not, so done, much- we're, not, we're not done entertaining. It's not time to stop entertaining, at least until we get some shit right. I know it's a pa- I know it's a pathway to um to, to to you know to get to get our to do better in life. So again, I, I say that with all sensitivity because I understand that there's there's brothers and sisters who've been able to change their life through this through these through these through these things. So I get it, I get it. But um, if not now, when, man? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I can't argue against that. Now you make perfect sense. Yeah, I guess my fear is seeing a similar argument used to divide people. Mm. You know, like here, here are the hip hop artists who are doing it right, who are mm. protesting the right way. And then here are the hip hop artists who aren't. And we've already talked about on another episode how dangerous that can be. No, I agree. I agree 100%. And that's why I, you know, I do my best to be respectful, even in my frustration. Um, MC to MC, rapper to rapper, you know, I would, I'm I'm more doing, I'm more speaking from that space. Like I'm speaking to my creatives. I'm speaking to the artists. I'm saying, Mm -hmm. hey guys, man, I hear you. You know what I mean? Keep those, keep those, keep them songs in the clip. There may be a time for that again. Right now, all no 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 attention needs to be drawn away from this none at all all eyes all eyes so when we doing the say her names and say their names let's apply pressure continue 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 this we don't have time to dance and this is a unique opportunity not because there's really been an increase in violence, but just because the world is able to see it recorded and the world is paying more attention right now. Mm-hmm. And it's risky to lose that momentum. Mm-hmm. Risky to shift focus. I do see exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn, please stop, stop shooting. Stop. Yeah. Not just Brooklyn, but everywhere else, but I'm from Brooklyn. Please brothers, please we can't like we can't do that uh, i mean i'm hearing you know homies is calling me telling me man this thing is like 88 again uh-huh. they you know <sighs> this is crazy this is crazy you know to to pick up on your uh economic argument though do you see people who are trying to capitalize off of, off of black trauma right now. You see people who are trying to like make a quick buck off of this moment. That's, that's, I mean, I can't, that's, that's, that's a permanent part of this. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm work. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> working on some new music. Mm. quietly slowly taking my time but um, i'm writing again and um yeah one of the things i'm working on is uh nothing sells like black pain Mm. it's lucrative and as you said it's sort of the origins of of american entertainment 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a really good book, and I'll have Anthony put this into our uh, website or our Facebook page for the podcast, but there's a really good book by David Pilgrim that I use when I teach American popular culture. I'd recommend it to listeners. So David Pilgrim's Watermelons, Nooses, and Straight Razors, Stories mm. from the Jim Crow Museum. Mm. And this is kind of an interesting take about a lot of the origins of American popular culture from music, dance, advertising, sort of across the board, and Jim Crow and slavery. You know, he's really good at, at showing the way these traditions developed and uh, I don't want to use the word evolved because I don't really think it's evolution how these mm-hmm. traditions persisted I guess is the word over time mm-hmm. so it really is hard to celebrate or separate anything from the entertainment industry from black pain as you said or black trauma mm-hmm. um, even when it was made light of and still is made light of right yep yeah, there's um, I've seen sort of a backlash. I know I've mentioned it to you just in our, our conversations off the air. Uh, sort of a recent backlash against Robin DiAngelo's book White Fragility. Mm, you did say that, yeah. Which which I think is an interesting book. I don't think it's a bad book at all, and I can see how for a white reader who's very much unversed in these issues, it's not a bad place to start. Um. I'd say get it from your public library, get okay. it from your school library. Because a lot of the backlash against Robin D'Angelo is she's making a ton of money and she's a white author. Um, who wrote this book, Quiet Fragility. And she's getting a ton of money to go in and sort of be like a corporate diversity and sensitivity coach to give like these quick seminars and sort of uh, piggyback off the sales of her book. And of course, right now she's making a lot of money because there's, a new call for it. You know, a corporation feels like, well, we got to look like we're serious about this. Like we want to learn about this stuff. Um, let's call Robin D'Angelo. Okay. Give her a, you know, a couple dozen thousand dollars. It's typical. Yeah. When, when there's a book right there called black rage, or I'm sorry, white rage by uh, Carol Anderson, that's a superior book. No question. Um, already the two titles, the white fragility versus white rage. Fragility sounds much friendlier, right? It sounds like it's much more comforting toward the white people it's going to discuss. White rage, I mean, you you got a lot of white people won't touch that book just because of the title. And they see a black author on the back cover. You're not going to make that same kind of money for those corporate seminars, right? It's threatening somehow. It seems like, you you know, this this author must be on the attack. She thinks white people are angry. Mm Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've even had a couple of colleagues say things to me like, well, you know, you should you should really have a better agent or publicist. You know, they should really be getting you out there right now. Now's the time, right? You can be making some money. <laughs> Strike while like, the iron's oh, hot. Oh, man. I don't you're think you've read my book because if you read that shit. <laughs> you're a voice. You're a voice. And talk about that because <laughs> before we get out of here. Sure. Because... That's interesting because, yeah, you 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 would be a voice that would be valuable in this time. And what so what is so should you go out 
make some money and donate to some righteous causes because you have the privilege to go out and make money off of this platform in this time is that allyship or is turning down is turning down the opportunity in hopes and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago i think you talked about um you know giving up opportunities sure. because a person of color would be more fitting but they're not going to do it so and I said, I'd rather you be there than the other white person they're going to hire after you refuse it. Because it's not like they're going to go, oh, man, maybe Professor Hess is right. We should go get an African-American. No, they're going to go, well, OK, you don't want to take it. Do you want to take it? Yes, I do want to take it. Here, here we go. And that person may not be the person we want advocating or speaking. See, that's the thing. This has been my February the past couple of years. Black History Month rolls around. Yeah, I guess. That's, yeah, yeah we did. Right? That's what we talked about it in that in that episode. Yep. And it's kind of a catch-22 because the white person who's like, shit, yes, I'll take $500 to come talk to your students is, mm-hmm. is probably the white person you don't want doing it in February during Black History Month. Yeah. So I've had it go a couple ways. You know, I've had a, a university approach me. And when I said, you know, hey, thank you. You know, it's, it's really great that you reached out to me. I just want to make sure you know that I'm a white author. And since this is a Black History Month event, I really don't feel like I'm the right person, but I'd be glad to suggest someone. I've had places write back and say, oh shit, thank you. We didn't know. <laughs> right, right. That's we one thing. You, See, that's, that's, well, that's, black issues, that's so. ignorance through lack of knowledge like we discussed earlier. Yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> good for them that they, yeah. they weren't looking to hire a white person for Black right. History Month. Right. But right. I've had another but. university say, well, yeah, we know. We thought that the message, you know, we thought our, since our students are mostly white, they'd be more receptive mm-hmm. to the message from a mm-hmm. white author. And they would. I think there's some truth to it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So I think, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know, if I got the offer today, um, I would have some terms. And number one, it would not only be me, I would want at least one black speaker on stage with me. Right. And not even like we take turns, like we sit there and have a conversation. You know, I mentioned right. having shared a stage with Dr. Kyla Story last mm-hmm. year. It was such a cool event. Um, that's how I wish all my events could go. Mm-hmm. You know, the conversation that came out of it with the two of us on stage was, was much more interesting, I think, than, you know, I get up and kind of talk through <laughs> my work and then students ask me questions. Yeah. It was just a much fuller, more fruitful yeah. conversation. Especially if you're discussing a topic that may value from a Mm weigh-in from a black person. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, you know, you get into the question and answer period and they're asking you questions based on your perspective of black history or black culture. Mm -hmm. It'd be really cool to hear what a black person (laughs) thought. Now, the only downside to that, because you're absolutely right, is, you know, I can't imagine Kyla's email inbox right now, or my friend, Dr. Sheena Howard, that teaches with me at Writer. I'm sure that people are hounding them to, you know, give a statement, help them write a statement, make an appearance. And a lot of times they're hoping they'll do it for free or hoping (laughs) they'll do it real cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, hoping, you know, it's just like for the movement, you know, we could really use your help. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate. I mean, I know when I first contacted Kyla about doing this event, I know like number one, she had to sit down and read my book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, that's a few hours of work. You know, she wasn't yeah. compensated for that. Right. 
So I think we got to watch out for that too, because again, you know, as I've said on the podcast before, black professors at universities are are only about six percent mm-hmm. of the tenure track faculty nationwide today in 2020, and that's six percent spread really thin. If they have mm-hmm. to handle all these conversations or participate in all these conversations, so in a way, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to even contact another black professor and say, "Hey, you want to do this?" Uh, conversation with me at this university we both, both get a couple hundred dollars or you know I, i'll forfeit mine you can have the whole thing <laughs> like so you go that, home four hundred dollars and then that becomes that becomes a lot that you need to consider because now we're now we're talking about mm-hmm. if if refusing it might not be the best thing to do if taking it by yourself may not be the best thing to do if asking a um black mind to accompany you might not be the best thing to do then what 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 should a you know uh, committed white professor <laughs> at a major college do like what 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 you know as an academic and hip hop um hip hopper you know lover of the culture what 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 is what is what does allyship look like in that space and that that that's you know that's something that you will have to um ongoing tackle Man, I just hope nobody calls me. <laughs> no, it's and the the thing is, I think that's the best way you can continue to do it is keep asking these questions. I think when yeah. you you convince yourself, I've been doing this for twenty years, man, I got it all figured out. Yeah. That's the point where you're probably not doing anyone, including yourself, much good. It's a it's a constant it's a constant fine tuning, learning more information, and adapting and changing, and you know just just expanding more so expanding um, with the more information you receive man and yeah. so uh, I think that that that's enough man I think uh, I don't know if you had something to add this this week I'm tapped out bro tapped I'm a little tapped too right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm tapped out well I guess you want me to just close this out then let's go you just did we're oh, closed no. out <laughs> that was another episode of Guess in the House man peace and love everybody Guess in the House we'll see you next time yeah, yeah.